graduate student here at ASU studying sustainability. Uh, moving forward, I'm going to be a co-host in these short-form podcast episodes that we call mini-sodes to discuss current events in relation to the previous episode's topic. The previous Future Cities episode revolved around infrastructure and sustainability within cities, and I have with me here Alicia Helmerich. She is a graduate research fellow within the Urban Resilience to Extremes Research Network. She's studying sustainable engineering at the School of Sustainable Engineering and the Built Environment. And her work is focused on climate non-stationarity and extreme events regarding infrastructure design. And she's most familiar with the water sector. Hello, Alicia. Hello, Tessa. So for our first topic, we have the Australian wildfires. And according to an article written by Joshua Busby and Mato Mildenberger in the Washington Post, it has destroyed about 1,400 homes and killed about 25 people in the Australian state of New South Wales alone. Uh, so, of course, these massive fires have been absolutely devastating. Um, in an article on We Digital magazine, officials are worried about damage to the city's infrastructure, and more specifically, the dams, aqueducts, and electricity networks. They're also worried about the Waragamba Dam because that supplies water for about 5 million people in Sydney. So I'm super curious to see what kind of climate-resistant technology comes out of catastrophic events such as these. Alicia, I have one question for you. As we keep seeing these devastating effects of climate change, what kind of improvements do you think we need to be making in fire-resistant infrastructure? Yeah, so... Large climate events like these are obviously devastating to the people experiencing them. And one thing we've noticed from a sustainability and resilience point of view of things is that they do provide a way for transformational changes, like you were saying, these adaptive technologies that could occur after this experience. So at the time that the infrastructure in Australia was being built, they weren't necessarily planning for these widespread wildfires that they're experiencing now. and so the environmental conditions that they're designed within weren't necessarily made to withstand these. And moving forward, they're going to have this new baseline of what they could design to. They could consider this wildfire kind of their worst case scenario and build everything to now be resistant to such a standard. When you look into different kind of deep uncertainty literature, there's different ways of approaching infrastructure design based off of what you know and what you don't know you may have uncertainties that are just slight tolerances or you may have uncertainties that are just completely unimaginable and these wildfires are clearly acting somewhere in between this where australia knows they can have a dry climate and the fires can be experienced but not necessarily that they thought was going to get integrated into their cities and take down all of their infrastructure and so moving forward they're going to have to decide how they want to approach this uncertainty for future wildfires in their area and there's different ways that they can design infrastructure to adapt for these. If they do consider this existing wildfire as their worst case scenario, they could take a robust approach and they can design all their infrastructure to be able to withstand this this worst case scenario they could potentially imagine or that they've now experienced unfortunately and hope nothing worse ever occurs but by taking this approach to the worst case scenario, we can't actually say what they're experiencing now could be the worst thing they would ever experience. And so another way they could approach the problem is more of a flexible approach where they could design to a standard that would be able to 
be fire resistant. Again, not most familiar with the flammable and non-flammable <laughs> materials, but they could build the infrastructure in a way that it could withstand what is expected or what is predicted most likely to occur and leave room to strengthen it accordingly to the changing climate. And so whether that may mean replacing materials using a different type of material, but making it so that the different bridges or building infrastructure is easily adaptable for switching out these materials could be one approach for making the city more fire resistant in the future. And when you say infrastructure, you're talking about, like you said, buildings, bridges, um, roadways, like roadways uh, water, water pipes, okay. energy transmission lines, all okay. those good things that help you live your life day to day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. Our next topic is a little bit on the uh, brighter side of things. Good. <laughs> um, Portland Rain Gardens. This is something that Portland and I believe LA are starting to incorporate into, you know, their infrastructure. So according to this article by Dakota Kim in Sunset, rainwater runoff can pollute water systems because it collects bacteria, metals, pesticides, and chemicals, chemicals, oils, and other pollutants. Um, Portland is adopting this method and it's called rain gardening or bioswale. Bioswale, bio... It's bioswale. Yeah? yeah? Okay, cool. I can talk a little bit about this portion if you... Yeah, yeah, go for it. If you want to explain how it works, if you know. Yeah, so Portland's adopting this method of rain gardens or bioswales to help with their stormwater management system. And what this does is that in water systems, uh, point source pollution is often regulated by the government. And this makes it easy to restrict the amount of pollutants that are going back into the water system. However, non-point source pollution is not as well regulated. And even over in the east coast of the United States, a lot of this can just be discharged into rivers and combined sewage overflow systems. And this means in extreme rain events, then not only do we get all the non-point source pollution, which this could be the different oils on the road when the water washes over, different fertilizers in agricultural fields, but you'd also get the sewage overflowing from those systems into your river or whatever other water body you have nearby. And so by implementing these different rain gardens across a city, you're able to reduce that amount of non-point source pollution, which can be really hard to regulate in any other circumstance. And so that's kind of the, the great benefit of being able to implement all these little vegetation plots across mm-hmm. the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I think another a point to touch on with this is that I think a lot of times the sustainable option gets a bad rep for you know being not as nice as conventional methods and this is a really great example of you know when the sustainable option is clearly just the better the better option you know based off of physical looks and it's it's uh not as costly as the the conventional method um Yeah, it's a great way for individuals to get involved with the stormwater management of their city. And there's a lot of different activities um, to help promote individuals to do it. I think the uh, World Wildlife Fund has a rain garden award that goes out. There's local cities that will also do rain garden awards um, to local community members who are promoting like biodiversity of species, um, not only of the plants, but say like butterflies that will come and visit their rain garden. I know that was a 
relatively new initiative in West Lafayette by the Go Greener Commission back when I was there a couple years ago. And so it's just a really fun way to get local community members involved. All right, well, this concludes our first ever mini-sode for the Future Cities podcast. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) The Future Cities podcast is an outreach effort brought to you by the Urban Resilience to Extremes Sustainability Research Network, or UREX, as we usually refer to it. To learn more about Eurex, visit www.sustainability.asu.edu forward slash urban resilience. If you have any questions, feedback, or suggestions for future episodes, you can email us at futurecitiespodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at futurecitiespod. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.